the Apollo Podcast Network. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's recap edition of the Road to Glory podcast presented by Apollo Media. I am one half of your host. I am Chris. You can find me on Twitter at Chris B. McGeehee. I am joined, as I am every week, by the indelible man himself, Mr. Apollo Dez. You can find him on Twitter at Apollo Dez One. You can follow the socials, Road to Glory Podcast at Road to Glory Pod and Apollo Media at Apollo HOU. Guys, go click, follow, subscribe, whatever you got to do, man. Dez, what a fun weekend of college football, buddy. Um, first of all, how you doing? I'm good, bro. I'm good. Um, I, I assume you would be good seeing what you saw yesterday from your team, huh? It feels good to see a 70 burger go up. I think we were on a hundred watch for, for a little bit, but uh, anytime you can uh, see an offense like that, do things like that. It's always fun. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. I know your team put up 70 uh, and we're not really going to touch on this game too much today because I don't think a whole lot needs to be said, but uh, dude, Georgia was up 35, nothing before the end of the first quarter. I know Texas was on a hundred burger watch, but Jesus Christ, Georgia could have set the record. My guy. Yeah, um, what Daniels was benched after the first quarter because they were up by so much. Yeah, right? I mean, they, uh, he only played one quarter of the game. They, they were on pace for 140 points against Vanderbilt. Like, if you're Vanderbilt, just close your football program. Honestly, do you want to? You want a hot take? Let me hear. Georgia it. is the number one team in the country, not Alabama. I think uh, Georgia is the most complete team offensively, defensive, defensively, and special teams. Obviously, with the headset battle, when uh, Saban's across is always tough, and Kirby seems to. Uh, Blink when that happens, but as as does everybody, to be fair, for sure. But I think this Georgia team is like the most well-rounded team in the country right now. They are looking complete. They are looking complete. Speaking of Georgia being the number one team in the country per Des, Des, I think we gotta, I think we gotta get into the updated rankings, man. There's not a whole lot that I want to touch on here. Uh, most of you know the top ten for the most part looks the same. Um, Oklahoma, after they survive, they're down two spots. They're still undefeated, but they drop from fourth to sixth. And meanwhile, Penn State, after another win, they jump from sixth to fourth. Other than that, though, your top five remains the same. Alabama one, Georgia two, Oregon three, and uh, Iowa at number five. Those games with those teams all went pretty much, I think, how you would expect them to go. Um, I think the big mover inside of the top 10 is Arkansas jumping up eight spots from number 16 to number eight. We saw them play Texas A&M this weekend and knock A&M from the ranks of the undefeated. Uh, Does Arkansas win that game or A&M lose it? Uh, I think Arkansas won that game. Uh, I think that they showed a lot of of heart, a lot of grit, and uh, especially when when KJ went down, I, I was like, okay, this is AM's chance to get back in it. Obviously, Malik Cornsby's a, a Texas kid, a Houston kid, and I, I followed him in the recruiting world. And he came in, he was one dimensional, right? They they stacked the the defense, stacked the box. They're like, hey, we're not gonna let this kid beat us with with his legs. And it, it just seemed like Arkansas in that moment was teetering of okay, here we go. Here's the Arkansas that we've known from the past. They yep. they play up and then the second half of they bolter, but they didn't. And they didn't falter, and uh, it was a, a damn good win against a, a really, really good defense. Obviously, we last episode we talked about can AM's offense stick around and win these type of games, and and Calzada showed that he's not really capable of doing that. 
And there's got to be some heat on Jimbo Fisher right now because you had Isaiah Spiller bust a 63-yarder to bring you with back within one score and then was never never seen with the ball the rest of the game. And so it almost seemed like Jimbo kind of outcoached himself. He got in his own head, and, and Arkansas just stayed the course, and they had a damn good win. The defense was flying all over the place. Once again, Barry Odom has those guys rocking and rolling, and uh, all roads lead to that, that next matchup for Arkansas, which is in Athens, Georgia, right? That's it, man. Um, conversely, you know, AM, uh, Arkansas moving up to eight spots. AM drops eight spots from seven to 15. They're now three and one. And their next date is with Alabama, I believe. And uh, I mean, you want to talk about a rough two weeks for AM. I mean, if they couldn't solve the Arkansas defense, what are you supposed to do against Saban and, and, and his boys? Um, I mean, we're, we're going to touch on AM, Arkansas. We're going to go a little bit deeper on that uh, here in just a bit. So I don't want to get too much into the weeds there. A uh, couple of notable ones, Oklahoma State and Baylor both jump into the top 25 this weekend. They were unranked previously, but they're both 4-0. Oklahoma State, Baylor, you've got um, – you've still got uh, Oklahoma up in sixth undefeated. It is is this actually a boon for the Big 12? I mean, you've got you've got Texas just sitting at, right outside the top 25. They would be what is number 26 right now. So theoretically, you know, you've got uh, Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Texas, all within the first 26 spots. How confident are you in the depth of the Big 12? Are either one of those other teams for real? Honestly, I think it's, it's Texas' Big 12 to win because um, – you had Baylor actually win a, a pretty damn good game um, for their standards and, and competing in the Big 12. But Iowa State looks fraudulent. They've been just kind of in in the season where you thought Campbell was going to be the next coveted head coach, and they had Brock Purdy, they had Brees Hall, and you, you think they're capable of, of going to the Big 12 championship game again, and they're just spinning their tires. You have Oklahoma – where the fans are booing Spencer Rattler, calling for his backup quarterback uh, to be the starter. You have TCU losing to SMU at home, where SMU's planting the flag uh, of the Pony Express little, on the midfield. It's just a little, little skirmish there. A little, a little back and forth. You have Oklahoma State now entering the top uh, twenty-five after after their win against Kansas State. It's just it, it all seems like a perfect storm for Texas to emerge. Uh, out of the Big 12 as they're about to go to the SEC with a chance to win the conference. I think everyone else could play spoiler. The Big 12 over the last few years has always cannibalized itself um, where where teams that are not expected to win do win an upset. So I can see that playing out, but it's just blah right now. Just blah. So I've got one more question for you. Simple yes or no before we move on to one more note within the top 25. Des, is Texas back? I'm going to say no. You're going to say, say no. Texas isn't. They have a gauntlet right now. Te- I, excuse they, me. They just TCU. put up 70 points, man. They did. I, I, they did. You're not feeling confident I, in that? I can't in- believe. I just, I've been burnt so many times. I've been I'm like the the peanuts, you know, when when the guy goes up to kick the, the football and gets pulled all the time. That's what I feel like being with Texas. And so they have they have TCU who at TCU where, where Patterson always – Schemes Texas very well and beats them. He's you a have, great defensive mind. 
Correct. You have the Red River game the following week. That's a toss-up. Anything can happen in a, in a Red River game. And you have Oklahoma State right after that. So it's a it's a tough three games coming up. I'm not ready to say they're back yet. All right, man. That's fair enough. Uh, last note here within the top 25, and this is the biggest riser or faller of the week, and that is Clemson dropping 16 spots all the way down to number 25. I guess it's the respect for Clemson's recent success that is keeping them in the top 25 uh, right ahead of Texas. But Clemson's 2-2 two and two at this point. They lose a double overtime game to NC State uh, in a game that in all reality they should have lost in regulation. We never should Correct. have even gotten an overtime. Um, I, It's not a take to say that Clemson is fraudulent, but – Des, how deep do these problems run for Clemson? I mean, is this – I mean, is is this the quarterback? Is this a disconnect between coach and quarterback? Is this a a, a, a program-wide problem? What are we looking at here with Clemson? Yeah, I think it's a um, – it's all coming to a head for, for Clemson Dabo. and Dabo because we talked about it, right? We talked about how Trevor Lawrence isn't walking through that door. ETN's not walking through that door. And you have all these new fresh fresh faces that have su- experienced success, but only as a backup or along for the ride. They haven't um, produced that success. So I think the biggest the biggest thing uh, for Clemson is is to circle the wagons very quickly because this can spiral out of control quick if uh, Dabble doesn't get it together. I mean, you you look at the rest of their schedule and theoretically it should be relatively easy, but they just lost to, to NC state and up next uh, next weekend, they've got Boston college. Who's currently sitting at four and O and looking like a pretty solid football team. And I mean, yeah, then they get, you know, they get Syracuse three and one, and then they got Pitt three and one before they finally get FSU. So, I mean, their their next three opponents have a combined record of 10 and two. I How do they come out of those next three games looking? I mean, is, is three and oh, even a realistic goal for Clemson anymore? Or are they, or is the goal here to at least be two and one? Uh, man, I don't know. I really don't. It just, it, it just seems like, like if I don't know, I feel like the team doesn't know if that, if that makes sense. I get you. You know what I mean? They're they're having to recalibrate these expectations that they had coming because coming into the season, of course, every team believes that, that they are championship material, that they have a wide open opportunity to win it. But when you come into the season with those kind of expectations and then kind of fall flat on your face, and now, you know, a month into the season, you're two and two, you've got to readjust and figure out who you are as a football team. And don't get me wrong. I mean, we still have, you know, two thirds of the of the season still left to shake out. Clemson can certainly work their way back up the standings. I don't think anybody is denying that. But if they're going to do that, they have to get their shit together pretty quick, man. Well, also, I think they've never been punched in the face like this this early and this often, right? Absolutely so not. It's well, all, at least at least not in recent memory. Not correct. for any of these kids. Yeah. So and 
you have the you have the ghosts of Trevor Lawrence and, and Deshaun Watson and New Hopkins and all ET and all these greats that have come through there over the last half decade. And you now have to um, carry that right before the season even starts. You, you, you carry that greatness. You, yep. Any any blue blood program knows that you're playing not only for yourself, your brother, the program, the city, the school, but the players that played before you that had success. And so now you have this the season where. All right, the Georgia game, like you said, coin flip, but dropping this to NC State and then the rest of the schedule is pretty I would say cupcakey because it's it's pretty soft, but this team could I, it's theoretically cupcakey, but is it a cupcake uh, for this actual? I mean, don't forget, I mean, against Georgia Tech, they only won by six points. I mean, right. this isn't exactly a team that has the only the only team they've looked good against is South Carolina State. And that that's the kind of game that you throw out. It means absolutely nothing, but exactly. against between uh out of conference opponents. And conference opponents. I mean, they they they've lost. They're they're one and two, really. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, it should be a cupcake schedule, but man, I mean, Clemson could be reeling here in a few weeks, and I I, I wouldn't be surprised at all about it. This is one of those things where, you you know my feelings on him, and you know I hate him more than I could possibly express. But this is the kind of thing that separates Saban from the rest of these coaches. Mm-hmm. In anybody can have a very solid four-year run, but Saban's been doing it for like two decades now. I mean, it, he just has a knack of be able to find even in blowout wins, right? We see it all the time that the Alabama wins by 50, whatever it is, but he's, He's finding he, he's finding people about to the chew one out. field goal. They exactly. Go he's pissed off about it. He's chewing out coaches on the sideline. He's chewing out players. He just has that innate ability to maximize wins to their full potential. And, and that elevates a team in a program where you always get coach speak, you know, after a, a big win or a game, you know, like, oh, you know, we, we, we have some things to work on. You know, we can, we can do this better. We can do this better. No, Saban's literally chewing his players and coaches out on the sideline when they're up 50 to 50 to nothing against, you know, South Carolina state. Like it's, he just has that innate ability that other coaches don't do. Yep. You are a hundred percent right. And I mean, it served him well. He's got the championships to prove it. So who's here to argue with him. All right, Des, we have spent our time talking about the top 25 and, and going into it guys coming up. We are going to hit on some of the actual games themselves, So stick around. We're going to do that right after this. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Road to Glory podcast presented by Apollo Media. Once again, I'm your host, Chris, joined by my partner, Apollo Dez. Dez, we spent some time talking about the top 25 to kick off the show. But I'm interested to talk about this next game. It it is not what you would consider game of the week material but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give a very brief summary and then I'm going to open it up for you here. Okay. So number four, Oklahoma at home to West Virginia, the Mountaineers, and they, to put it lightly, I mean, or bluntly, however you want to look at it, they escaped. I, I mean, it took, 
a field goal, a 30-yard field goal, as time expired in the game in order for them to eke out a field goal win against a team that is now 500 on the season. Des, I, West Virginia won the time of possession. They the, the yards discrepancy wasn't that big between these teams. The turnover battle was even. OU came into this game as a 17-and-a-half-point favorite, and they walk away winning by three. What are your thoughts on this game? Oklahoma's fraudulent. And I'm, I'm, I say I'm sorry. That. It, can you can you pause that and and say that one more time, just in case anybody missed that? Yeah, as an unbiased national media college football journalist, I, I'm going to say right now on September 26th, we're recording that, this at seven twelve Central Time. Exactly, the University of Oklahoma is fraudulent. Oh, yeah. And ooh, this ooh. is why. Okay, let's hear it. it. it it's not it's I, this is me being the bigger person separating my hatred for the University of Oklahoma as a Texas fan and just being unbiased. You have a team that has been reading the press clippings for over a year. Yes, Spencer Rattler posing for the Heisman because he was supposed to be, you know, the number one candidate um, coming into the season for a year. You have Lincoln Riley reading his press clippings time and time again. You have this defense with Grinch that was supposed to be the best Big 12 defense, the best Oklahoma defense they've had in a long time. And yet, and yet you have to rely on West Virginia beating themselves at home where your home fans are literally booing and waiting for the backup quarterback uh, to come into the game because that's how bad Spencer Rattler um, was. And honestly, he wasn't even bad. He was 26 for 36, 256 in a touchdown, um, a very pedestrian line. But when you're the, the Heisman um, candidate to be, you have to have a better game like that, especially at home. And so – I think that Oklahoma is not as good as they think they are. Yes, they're number four. In, uh, are they still number four in the country? No, I actually dropped the sixth. Yeah, sixth in the country. They're yep. still four and zero. Oh. Um, I just think this team uh, is just been reading the press clippings, and maybe maybe Lincoln Riley can hit the reset button for these guys. I don't know, um, but if they keep playing like that throughout the season, they're going to drop two or three games. Look, I. I'm going to give you a little bit of pushback here, okay? Because I see a lot of similarities between them and Clemson so far this season, okay? So Oklahoma, I'm I'm going to I'm going to discount their 76 nothing win against the Western Carolina Catamounts, okay? I'm not going to look at that game. But if you look at the other three games this season, 5-point win against Tulane at home for Oklahoma, a touchdown win against Nebraska, at home for Oklahoma and a three point win against West Virginia at home for Oklahoma. They're four and zero on the season. Clemson is two and two. And I know they look worlds apart in terms of record, but you have to at least give Oklahoma credit for finding ways to actually get these wins when it matters. And we talk all the time about how a win is a win and it hasn't looked great but they keep finding ways to win. You mentioned the upcoming game, the Red River rivalry uh, coming up. That is October the 9th against Texas. I, I mean, outside of that, they've got, they have to go to Baylor and they have to go to Oklahoma state to end the season. But I mean, the rest of their schedule doesn't look all that arduous. So, I mean, this might be, 
an Oklahoma, a fraudulent Oklahoma team that still makes the playoffs. And Oklahoma could just end up being this year's Notre Dame in the playoffs. If that, if you understand what I'm saying, and if that sounds fair, you can, I, you can be right and they can be fraudulent, but they can also still do what they need to do and make it at least to, you know, the end of the season. So where do you actually see Oklahoma shaking out at the end of the season? I think they're playing Texas in the Big 12 championship game in Arlington and J.R. World um, come the end of the season. So it'll be a rematch of the Red River game. Uh, I just – as I did call them fraudulent, and I, and, and I still think they're going to – the Big 12 may cannibalize itself. Uh, the threat of them always getting it together and Spencer Rattler turning into what everyone thought Spencer Rattler was going to be um, and be that Heisman guy. I, I think that that is always there. Lincoln Riley is obviously one of the greatest uh, offensive minds in college football, but uh, just the big 12 being down with, with the way Iowa state um, has turned out to be uh, Kansas state, Oklahoma state. They're just Oklahoma still talent wise, better than those, than those in absolutely absolutely but still got to be able to coach talent up i mean we yep, see it all the time for sure all right man so we got that off your chest um i quick hitter here iowa really looked kind of lethargic against colorado state i mean they they won again they're still undefeated but a 10 point win in their home stadium against uh, not a great opponent. I I just see, it looks like a lot of these top teams are just kind of sleepwalking through the early part of the season, Des. And I think Iowa looked like that again, you know, this week. What do you make of just in general, some of these performances that we've seen from, from some of these teams? Yeah, I think, you know that with the Iowa, I think BYU, they almost got caught with their pants down by was to South Florida. Yep. Um, they had a little sweaty game. Uh, Michigan had a, a sweaty game against Rutgers. I, um, Michigan State had to escape against Nebraska and OT. I, yeah. Hell, UNC. Auburn had to survive. Yep. And, and UNC, they got caught with their pants down. That, for sure. I mean, there, <laughs> there was no escaping for UNC. And we can, we can touch on that later, but – Case in point, I mean, just this week alone, you rattled off some of those scores. But if you go back weeks three, two, and one, you're going to find a lot of the same things, which is why we've seen so many ranked teams lose already this season. Is that a trend that you think we're going to continue to see going forward? Yeah, I think this I think this college football season, more than any, is wide open in the sense that you're going to have teams, if, if you don't show up and, and play uh, to the best of your ability, you're going to lose because you still have all these – Super seniors, you have all these um, transfers in from in and out of the portal, but also the guys that got all these extra years of eligibility due to the COVID stuff that you can stack a team and it's not a sleepwalk. I mean, even Fresno State, number, I've moved up, but they're 4 0, or excuse me, 4 1. They had to barely, barely escape, come back in the fourth corner to beat 0 and 4 UNLV on Friday night. And yep. so, you have to show up. You just can't. You just can't roll out of bed and and, and play these football games because you're gonna get beat. You're gonna get beat. A hundred percent. I mean, this. I don't know if it's just me. You know, I was I was kind of doom and gloom when we first kicked this podcast off to start the season because I came in here just bemoaning how this was essentially 
LeBron versus the Warriors every season, I really thought that we were going to get Alabama versus either Clemson or Ohio State, um, you know, to, to close out this season the way that we have for so many straight years now. And I will be the first one to admit and will be happy as hell that I could be wrong about that, man. I mean, your top four right now, of course, Alabama is still up there. But when you've got Georgia, Oregon, Penn State, that doesn't happen unless you've seen some of the scores that we've seen this season. And I got to tell you, while it has made my predictions each week uh, look vastly less accurate, it's made for a fun opening month of the season. I mean, we see these teams shuffling back and forth every week now and i i'm gonna be honest with you i kind of hope it continues i'd like to see ohio state go ahead and grab another loss and just go ahead and finish off their playoff dreams I, hell i'd like to see alabama lose a couple times i don't know that it's gonna happen but i mean uh, uh, imagine a playoffs of georgia oregon penn state and it for shits and giggles uh oklahoma I mean that's that's a fun playoff, man. Because yeah. you don't you don't go into that knowing for sure who's going to win. So the way that it's currently shaken out, do you do you have any faith in or now that because I mean, look we're we're a third of the way through the season. We've got some data points here. Are you any more confident now than you were at the beginning of the season in in thinking about how all of this is going to shake out by the end of the season? Yeah, I think it's going to be chaotic, and I I think that's good for college football. I think it's it's wide open. It's not uh, top-heavy uh, like we've seen in the past. It's not, you know, um, the Alabama, you know, whoever they're going to have a quarterback. It's not Trevor Lawrence, not Justin Fields, you know, the who's who. It's it's. I think it's wide open, and I think it's, um, it's great because I, as we continue along this college football playoff path, I think having a year like this is great for the future because when they open up to more teams, we'll see more randomness throughout the year, right? It's not the core four all the time. It's, it's okay. It, it could be anyone's here. Who's getting hot the, at the right moment. And it all falls back to, if you're going to lose, lose early and peak at the end. And then you could probably get some, some playoff committee uh, votes and, and traction in the media. If you just keep doing your job, after an early loss to start the season. Yep. So I, I, I like I, the parody of it. I really I, do. I mean, hell, I mean, if you look right now, I know obviously the coaches poll holds less weight than the AP poll when it comes to determining everything at the end of the season. But Kentucky is currently 4-0, and they're ranked 23rd in the coaches poll. I mean, these coaches are giving this Kentucky team some respect, and that's not something that you see all the time. And that is a byproduct of the way that some of these things have gone. I mean, if if LSU did not have their season opening upset loss to UCLA, which for the record is looking a little bit better in hindsight, you know, I'll take what I can get. If Texas didn't have, you know, their their loss to Arkansas, which is looking a hell of a lot better after this weekend, put some respect on UT's name. Uh, you know, you then you wouldn't see a, a team like Kentucky getting that kind of respect. I mean. Boston College, 4-0, they are so close to breaking into the top 25. I don't think they've even sniffed the top 25 since Matt Ryan left. And, man, it you know what? I hope it keeps up. I really do. All right, Des, 
We got a couple of more games that we want to get to. We're going to talk about Arkansas A&M because, you know, we have to. Uh, and we have to talk about um, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, a little bit in depth here. Uh, before we do that, you got anything else you want to get off your chest this week, bud? Uh, I want to believe in the University of Texas, but I'm not going to. And kudos to me for manning up and say that. <laughs> As an unbiased, unbiased national journalist. National media, college football journalist. All right, Des. Think of me. We are going to get to those games, guys, and that is coming up right after this. Welcome back, everybody, to the Road to Glory podcast presented by Apollo Media. I am your host, Chris McGeehy, joined by my co-host, Apollo Dez. Dez, man, look, we have we've talked about the top 25. I have gone off on a tangent about the state of college football because I couldn't help myself. We've talked about uh, some of the weird scores that we have seen around the league. But now we've got to talk about two of – I think the best games of the weekend, we talked about them going into last weekend. We talked about them on Friday's show. And I want to start with Notre Dame, Wisconsin. And that was a game we talked about how it could get a little ugly because it was a game that was going to kick off the, the weekend. It was an 11 o'clock kick. It was technically it was at, at Soldier Field, which I got to tell you, while we're right here talking about this, I'm kind of tired of these high-profile games taking place at NFL stadiums. I don't know if it's just me. I would have loved to have seen that game actually be played in in Camp Randall. Um, I I don't know why they continue to do it, but I, you know, that's my own personal uh, thought here. But you know, this game it was pretty close. Uh, they go into the fourth quarter, 10-10, and by the time it's over, it's 41-13. So, Des, let me start off by asking you this. What the hell? Yeah. Uh, we talked about it, right? We, we said that this game could turn out in Notre Dame's favor. But did, did we expect a 31-piece in the fourth quarter? What, not only that, when we talked about defense – we talked about Wisconsin's defense. We, <laughs> If you would have asked me which team is going to walk away from this game with two pick sixes, with, oh, yeah. my, life, with my life on the line, I would have picked Wisconsin. I mean, I, I'm not even going to – You gonna, and both. It, yeah. I, but I, I will give you credit here, okay? We, when we talked on Friday's show about this game, we, we talked about all the things that could have made this game ugly, and you still had the faith to to pick the over on this game and i told you that you were wrong i told you it was an 11 o'clock kick and you know what i was feeling good going into the fourth quarter about that and by the time it was all said and done not only was i wrong i was hella wrong buddy <laughs> and i mean a part of that is uh wisconsin quarterback graham mertz i mean he finishes the game with Four INTs. I mean, this is a game where Jack Cohn only had to throw one touchdown yeah. to beat him. And I just – I did not see it shaking out this way. So, after this game, are you feeling better about Notre Dame, worse about Wisconsin, both, neither? Where do you – or uh, is Notre Dame for real? I, I guess that's where we should start. It seems like it. I mean, I get – I mean, 
I don't know if they're like for real, for real at the end of the day, uh, but you have to give them the benefit of the doubt of what they've done up to this point. And that makes them for real. And it's, it's, it's Notre Dame. It's just, they, they're probably going to run the, t- I, I don't know. I'm not going to say they run the table because they have the game of the, their, their game of the season and Cincinnati's game of the season this upcoming week at 130. Yep. I think it should uh, be a fun game though. I'll say that. Oh, that's going to be a great game. Absolutely great game. But I think you have to give the respect and the nods to Notre Dame right now being for real. Just because of the resume they have up to this point. That's fair. And we did talk about how, you know, if they came out of this game against Wisconsin looking good and then followed it up with a win against Cincinnati next week. I mean, they you you got to think that they're going to be jumping up in the standings here very, very soon. Um can I also I, – I want to apologize, man, because I made you devote some time on this podcast on Friday to allowing me to talk about how important Notre Dame's running back Kyron Williams was to this game. I talked about how – I said, Des, he has gotten more efficient. The coaches are screwing him, and they're giving him less touches – and what the hell does if they want to win this game, he's got to be involved and he's got to be involved a lot. And he comes out in this game against Wisconsin and he carries the ball 18 times and he gains a whopping 33 yards. My man averaged less than two yards a carry, didn't have a single catch, showed absolutely zero dual threat capabilities. And, I mean, you want to talk about, like, egg on the face, dude. I could fry a couple up for you just based <laughs> off of that argument alone, okay? I I still – I'm with you. I think Notre Dame is for real. But at this point, I am done trying to predict how they need to win games. Yeah, I, but at the end of the day, right, it, a win's a win. And 33 yards or 133 yards um, – I think this team and this identity of Notre Dame, granted, if, if Jack's out, then it's it's a problem, right? I don't know. Did we get any follow-up on on his injury? Um I haven't I haven't seen anything. I mean, okay. uh, they all they're saying right now is that uh the x-rays were clean and that they are optimistic that he will play against Cincinnati, but there's been nothing written in stone yet. No, I I I think that's the big the big question mark, but I just think you have to give them credit where credit's due, and that's being where yep. they are right now in the season. Yep. They're uh, – I mean, they they come out of this – I mean, they're giving up 23 points a game, but when you look at, at what they're doing on offense, I mean, this is a Notre Dame offense that we haven't quite seen for, you know, a, a bit. I – I, I do think that this offense, and this is just my own personal opinion, of course, but I think that this Notre Dame offense is a little bit better than it was last season. I think they have more of an idea of who they want to be. I know that the offense itself struggled against Wisconsin. I know a lot of this was defense and special teams, but going against Wisconsin in Chicago, this offense, they didn't sputter the way that I thought they might. It was just kind of what I expected from them. It, I think you're right. I think if Cone's back, then the showdown against Cincinnati is going to be excellent. I mean, right now we're looking at number seven versus number nine. If Cone's back, I mean, 
early, early thoughts. How are you feeling about that game? I don't know. I, I think I need a little bit more time and research to, to break that one down. The, that's a hundred percent fair. And of course we're going to talk about it on Friday's pod. I, I do think it is interesting that Cincinnati is coming in as a two and a half point favorite in Notre Dame. That's interesting, I, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. It's at least something to keep an eye on. Because that means Vegas opening lines is that they're either banking on heavy Notre Dame money come, to come in and, and drive that to then be Notre Dame minus one, minus two, where there's now value. There'll be value late on Cincinnati. Yep. Or two, they know something that we don't know. That Which I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to really speculate here, but correct could be calm. It could I mean, be. You know, because that line is when, when you, when you have their resume out there, uh, at home, I don't. That line just seems very, very telling in a way of there's something more to the story that we don't know yet. Yep, I, that's 100 percent fair. And I mean, if you go by, you know, the the old logic that I grew up on, and that is, you know, you, you get three for being at home, cool. and. I, I mean, that if that's the case, then, you know, Cincinnati on, on a neutral field would be a five and a half point favorite here. I mean, you're talking nearly a touchdown dog for a Notre Dame team that is four and oh. And I mean, if they're at full health, dude, I mean, I really think that this is a toss up kind of game. It's it really seems like one of the most even matchups that we've seen all season. Uh, but you know what? We're going to talk about it more on Friday. Uh, right now we've got to move on to the other game. And this is the one that I am personally calling the game of the week, uh, just because I think I was most invested in this. Don't judge me, but I enjoyed watching Arkansas just bully the shit out of A&M all afternoon in route to a 20 to 10 victory. I mean, this game, it, it took place in, uh, in AT&T stadium, Cowboys Stadium, and it uh, it was you know like we talked about it was the two thirty afternoon SEC on CBS game, and we talked about Calzada versus Jefferson, and we talked about Isaiah Spiller, and man, I, I got to tell you, to me personally, I, his stats were pedestrian, but KJ Jefferson looked like the guy this weekend. He did, and we talked about that he could be the X factor in all of this with his legs. He'll yep. make his throws, you know, the, the Kendall Browse will scheme some easy throws for him to, to get into that, um, that good feel that we always want our quarterbacks to, to get into early, but just the talk about the resiliency of what KJ did. He got knocked out of the game. He scrambled and fell awkwardly on his leg. And you can uh, tell he was in some pain. Oh, I mean, he for was sure. He was laboring out there afterwards, and he was still trying to go for his team. And that AM defense is, is no joke, and they hit hard. And yep. I think I think it's just it's a testament to to what they're doing over there. And I you just kind of tipped the cap. It was great. Great football. I, I know the score is, you know, uh, somewhat close, a, a small two possession game, but I don't think AM believed they had a chance of winning after that spiller run to yep. the end of the game, probably maybe one other time. Yeah. From the middle, late, I, the, early, the third quarter on, like they maybe had one more moment where, like, okay, we can win this game. Other than that, it was just Arkansas on, on, on cruise control. Just, I mean, Arkansas, they come out with. 
big plays. I mean, you get the 85-yard touchdown pass from Jefferson to uh, Traylon Burks in the first quarter, and it was – I mean, you know, it, it should have had some help over the top, I believe, and and receiver just got free and it was over. But the thing I noticed about Jefferson, and this is what scares me because LSU, of course, still has to play Arkansas later on this year. Not only does he have – just the sheer arm power because he, I dude, he, okay. Before I go on here, I got to tell you in terms of like arm power, he really kind of reminds me. He looks like Herbert. He looks like Lamar. He, you know, he kind of looks like Mahomes, where these guys can be flat footed, standing still and just barely torque their body. And they can just cork these balls down the field. And I, you know, when you've got a guy, who's got that kind of power. That's one thing, but he also shows some real touch on some of these throws. And that is what makes this team dangerous because when you've got a quarterback that that's that, that is that talented and can add a little bit with his legs on the ground when he, when he needs to dude, I'm they're going to, they're going to be hard to beat. I know they still have some, uh, some real teams left to play this season. They, as you mentioned earlier, uh, they they go to Georgia next weekend. Then they've got to travel to Ole Miss. Then they get Auburn at home. I mean, that's three straight weeks of theoretically, as of right now, ranked opponents. And then they get they have to go they have to go to Tuscaloosa mm. the week before the season ends. And I mean, they they're certainly there's no way they end the season undefeated. I mean, I would be willing to put just about my life savings on that. There's no way. There's no way. But, I mean, how do we start talking about this team if they knock off Georgia next week? Then you got to believe. Then you have to be like, this team is legitimately for real. Um, And I think also if Georgia – so I think Georgia's catching Arkansas at a really good moment because you have KJ beat beat the hell up, right? Yep. No matter that was pure adrenaline and just the will of a competitor to to will himself and the team to a, a victory yesterday. Yep. Um, but those today, I bet he woke up a, a little a little a little sore. Um, that's gonna when you're a big guy, you're a big quarterback. You know, he kind of has like that that cam build. Um, you're gonna you're gonna take a lot of hits, and you're not gonna get a lot of calls. And it sucks because uh, it seems like dual threat quarterbacks that move and extend plays don't get those calls that other quarterbacks that are in the pocket do. And I think that those hits are going to add up. And I, I hopefully, through my mind as a fan, I hope Kendall Bryle starts scheming uh, some easier throws and easier stuff to just to keep the mileage down on him. Uh, because when you're running through the gauntlet of the SEC – those hits are going to compound on each other, right? We see it all the time uh, where an SEC team loses to a, 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 let's say, a Big 12 team or someone in a, in a bowl game series where, yeah, it's it's you could play on a on a field one time and, and beat them, but when you play five of those type of teams in a row, yep. by that third game, you're going to be beat to shit. And so I think that may happen to Arkansas, and, and I don't want to throw a fire, uh, throw a water on their fire because they deserve – to enjoy all these wins. And, oh, 100%. And we're we're going to give them their flowers right now while we still can. I mean, as an LSU fan, I have a ton of hate for Arkansas, but as an unbiased national media member, i got to tell you, man, I can recognize when a team deserves respect. And, and this is an Arkansas team that double-digit win against 
of course, your Longhorns. They now have a double-digit win against a team that a lot of people came into the season thinking was going to be a playoff team or at the very least a contender for the playoffs. And, I mean, they're 4-0, and and yet right now, at least in terms of Vegas, they're getting absolutely no respect against Georgia. Georgia has opened as an 18-and-a-half-point favorite in Athens for next weekend. And I, the game could certainly shake out that way. I'm not making any bones about that. But, I mean, Arkansas is a top – 10 team in the country at, at some point I, I do want to see some respect being given and so it kind of makes me want to see the Georgia upset this weekend just so that we can we can really start to talk about this Arkansas team as a real team and I think vice versa too if Georgia comes out and, and boat races Arkansas I, that then it, it they pro- could be the number one team in the country next it, week. it proves your point about Georgia potentially being the most complete team in the nation I, I, and it's I think it's a it's a it's a measuring stick water measure game whatever how you want to phrase it this week for both teams uh, Arkansas loses a close game to Georgia uh, you know Arkansas you know is legitimate Georgia lo- wins a close game okay there's still questions there can they can they put these teams away Georgia boat races nope. Arkansas Arkansas's you know now has to ask questions Georgia's for if Arkansas pulls it upset then we're talking about a top four team in the country, they'll get, they'll be in the top four. Um, Would have to be. And so there's just so many, so many things to unfold and see just with this one game next week. And I, and I can't wait to see it. I really do. I'm right there with you, man. I I'm looking forward to it. That's definitely going to be a must watch game. Uh, real, uh, we've got to hit on a and just real quick. I, we're already pushing time here, but we, we got to talk about it real quick. As I mentioned, they come in as, you know, what everybody thought was going to be a playoff team coming into the season. Haynes King is obviously out, so you have to give them that caveat. But it's not exactly like they were looking like world beaters with King. But then you have Calzada come out, and he throws 36 passes in this game and finishes with 151 yards. I mean, not exactly world beater stuff. I Isaiah Spiller, as you mentioned, he had the 67-yard touchdown run. Outside of that, he had 11 carries for like 28 yards. I mean, this is a team that just did a lot of nothing yesterday outside of just a couple of bright spots here and there. So where does AM go from here? I mean, is, is Jimbo panicking? You talked about the panic Ooh. meter last week for, for Dabo and, and Ryan Day. They've got they've still got Alabama left on the schedule. They've got Auburn, Ole Miss. They've got to go to LSU, which I'm hoping by the end of the season, that's a real team as well. I mean, this is this is not going to be easy for AM now. Are is Jimbo yeah, is Jimbo could, okay here? I, look, as once again, as an unbiased national media college football journalist, and I was here last week praising AM's defense, and they obviously did well. They they held Arkansas to 20 points. It, we talked about the offense is a huge, huge, huge question mark because you have Calzada, who's who's not it. Um, you have Haynes King, who's out. And once again, he's still a redshirt freshman when he comes back. Um, that Auburn that Auburn defense would be flying around. That Mississippi defense would be flying around. That LSU defense will be flying around. If he's back for that last month, they still think he may be out till the middle to late October. So – I think Alabama's be a, a rude ass awakening for them, especially in the offseason when Jimbo was talking about how he was coming for Saban and, yep. and, and all that shit. Saban doesn't forget that. Um, I, it that's, does, just, that's something you don't say. You don't say it. You don't ever say it. Not until 
You 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 believe it. under and you you're hosting the college football championship yes. trophy. Do you ever say something like that? Exactly. And so it does open up for AM a bit with the at Missouri and the South Carolina game before you get into that gauntlet of what we talked about, Auburn, uh, Ole Miss, and then LSU, that last game of the year. Yep. But that the season could be over by then. I mean, I, I was gonna say, I mean, you you have to think, at least based off of what we've seen so far this season. Coming out of that Alabama game, they are likely going to be four and two Correct. when everybody, you know, they had, was... they had college football aspirations. This was this was the team for Jimbo. Yep. He had the defense. He had the running backs. He had the offense. Obviously, he question marks at quarterback with Mon going to the draft. But they talked about it all the fucking time during the offseason that this was Jimbo Fisher's year at Texas A&M to take them to the playoff. Yep. And now you're. Unless you're upsetting Alabama, you're not going to the playoff, Texas nope. A&M. Nope. Uh, or, or unless by some miracle that you somehow Alabama, you, you beat Alabama or you lose Alabama and Alabama drops two more games, you're not getting in. Nope. It, it's a gut punch. It sucks. It's reality. It's a reality check for sure for Texas A&M. Their defense is still going to be top 10 in the country. Um, they're going to keep them in ball games and win ball games, but you need that offense to go steal a game. And I say go steal a game. I think Arkansas was a game they could have stole if they just were efficient offensively, and they weren't. Yep. I mean, but you know what? That's college football, baby. That's what it's all about. That's it, and we love it. All right, Des. Look, man, we have gone a little too long here, so we've got to get out of here. Um, guys, listen, we appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Uh, once again, I'm your host at Chris B. McGee. You can follow me on Twitter. You can follow my partner, Des, at Apollo Des one on Twitter. Please follow the socials at Road to Glory Pod. And that is presented by Apollo Media. You can follow them at Apollo H-O-U. Des, we are going to be back with another pod on Friday, breaking down some of the most exciting games going on next week. And until then, bud, I can't wait to talk to you again about this, man. Hell yeah, bro. Great week of college football. Great um, insight by you and just happy to be here. All right, man. We will talk to you guys next week.